Welcome to another edition of a Wild Time Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. As always, I am your host, Adam Newsom, and do me a favor, hit that subscribe and like button, and do yourself a favor and go back and listen to my previous episodes, Everything Under the Sun. I mean, just had an awesome interview with James Ingram. Check him out. Awesome Jason costumes. He's starting to branch out and make Leatherface costumes. So, and, and it's really interesting. We had a good time, a good a good talk with him. Check out my YouTube channel. Also, had Mick Strawn on last night. Mick Strawn, one of the top horror set producers, special effects artist ever. We had a great time. And we're going to try this again. We're going to try the rematch. We're going to call this because. Last night, me and my dad sat down and had an awesome episode on our top five favorite boxers. And, I mean, it was one of the best ones I'd ever did. Hang up, get off the phone, go to upload it, and it didn't record. And I'm looking right now, it is recording. So, we are in good, we are in good, um, dad, I'm lost. We're in good what? We're in good position. <laughs> we're in good position at the moment. So we're not in great shape. No, we're not in great shape right now. But we're we're in a good position because I see it recording. Anyway, or anywho, my guest tonight, my dad, my hero, the man that got me into boxing, which led to me getting into mixed martial arts, which led to me actually boxing. And dad, I got to thinking, you are the son of a boxer and the father of a fighter. Did you ever put that into perspective? A long time ago. Well, I thought that was pretty <laughs> interesting. On the way down here, my grandpa, Chester Newsom, boxed in the Army, a well-known, tough guy. And there's stories, and if you know our family, you know that it goes, uh, there's a lot of those. So we're going to get, it, it goes back. This this sport was has been in the family a long time. I used to go up to my great uncles with my dad and watch Tuesday Night Fights. It was something we used to do together, and I never forgot it, and it inspired me later on in life. And we would also watch, in the mid, uh, yeah, mid-90s, we'd go up to Little Wheels, which is ironic because Stevie Wheel was who we would go watch fights with later on, me and Rocky would. So we've been, we're, we're educated on this, and Dad's a lot more educated than me. He proved that last night. I wish you all would have got to hear it. I promise. Now, MMA and UFC, I got you. But boxing, I think you you may own me tremendously. But I'm going to go. I'm going to let you go first. Actually, top five favorites. Top five favorites, Dad. You go first. Okay, starting out with the top one. All right, top one. Drum roll. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Muhammad Ali. I guess he was. I guess one of the greatest of all time. He says he was the greatest. Well, he didn't go no line. <laughs> I'll stop him when he's lying. <laughs> and like we talked about last night, Ali wasn't just the greatest boxer. He changed. He was a, like a cultural icon. I mean, he done a lot of stuff that was outside the boxing world that he had such a following. Yeah, he was, he was so well, I mean, he had so much talent that 
it's hard to believe, you know, unless you get the, on some old movies and start watching him fight, you know, or whatever. But he was just, he could dance, move. He was so fast, athletic, but he had two great things, I think, that I really liked about him it was his brains and his mouth. Well, that's how you that's how you sell a fight. You've yeah. got to have that persona. You've got to have. I mean, and he was, like you said, he was so talented when it come to that. He just right off the tongue. I mean, everything he wanted to say, he could get into their minds, make them look silly. I mean, yeah. Uh, he was he was the greatest, I guess. You know, you put it down, and he brought boxing. He brought he brought it back. Really, it was almost dead at the time. And he made his return. You know. He, most people didn't even know who the heavyweight champion was. Yeah. We went, you know, I wish you would have went with us, but we went down to Louisville to the Muhammad Ali Center, and I'm telling you, it is something to see. It is, like, I'm going to make another trip down soon. Max loved it. It was, they've got so much memorabilia. I mean, there's like three levels to this, and you, I can't even put it into words how awesome. I mean, if you love boxing, and, I mean, it tells, it shows, they've got his gloves, his shorts, they've got so much stuff in there. It's, it's something to see. If, if you get a chance, the Muhammad Ali Center in Louisville, it is, it is awesome. Let me know next time you go, I'll ride with you. Sounds like we're going to make us <laughs> a plan then. All right, so Muhammad Ali, I'm going to pick my first favorite right now, and it's Big George Foreman, the man that... Many thought would dethrone Ali, the, and we were studying just a few minutes ago, watching some YouTube videos, and a lot of the broadcasters and sports analysts, they also thought it. But Stephen A. Smith said that his dad actually cried before the match because he was worried that Ali was not just going to lose, but that George Foreman would actually kill him in the ring. But George Foreman was so, I don't know, man, he was menacing in his early years. You can tell just he would the George Foreman of the 70s is not the George Foreman that came out in the late 80s, early 90s. He was, he, you could tell the good Lord changed him because he was just a jolly, almost like just a big jolly tough guy when he came back and he, he shocked the world. But he won the title twice. He, I can't remember, I had it wrote down. But anyways, when he came out of, he beat Joe Frazier for the title. That was what it was. He beat Joe Frazier because last night I got mixed up. I said Joe Lewis, and you called me out. And I was like, yeah, Joe Lewis was just a little bit before that. And after he retired, came back, he beat Michael Moore in one of the greatest upsets, I guess you would say, in boxing history. Well, Buster Douglas beat Tyson was the biggest upset. I would no, no doubt about that. But George Foreman... He, he came out in retirement and just got through into the mix. It wasn't like he was dodging people. He got right in there. Holyfield, Tommy Morrison, Michael Moore, Jerry Cooney, which Cooney was on his way out to. Um, he went on to have the George Foreman grill, which did way more for his career than boxing did. <laughs> well, you know, I remember Foreman in the Olympics. And you, I watched you watch it. all the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, I did. But that's where they teach them. And they learn. They either, they either get out or 
or get on it, you know. Yeah. And he was so good. I said, I don't, you know, I just can't see anybody beating this fellow. After a few matches, I seen him. I said, he, he, he'll, he'll do away with Frazier and everybody around home here saying, oh, ain't no, he can't whoop Frazier. Sure enough, he ended up getting him. He didn't get him. He chased him. He was, <laughs> I mean, I felt bad for Frazier. He was trying to run from him. But Foreman had a record of 76 and 5. But, and I watched a documentary on him. And I, I guess the reason I like Foreman so much is I kind of see a little bit of myself in him because he's just a big, happy guy. He, he started a a gym for kids that was um, underprivileged in Houston, I think it was, Texas. And that is actually the reason he came out of retirement was because he was keeping up that gym and losing. he was losing money to help the little uh, poor kids. So he, he came out of retirement and just started boxing to make money to uh, put back into his gym. And lo and behold, it led to him regaining the title. And you know what, Dad? He wore the shorts he lost to Ali in when he won the belt off Michael Moore. Hmm. I just I just remembered that. I didn't know that. The red ones. Uh, if he hadn't retired after Ali, you know, beating Foreman, it's hard telling what Foreman, rec what records he would have held, you know. That's my prediction. I agree. I agree 100% because there were so many years that he got out I mean, and if he would have just kept his head on straight, and, which he had after the Ali loss, he went on to fight. He had some knockdown dragouts. I think Ron Lyle and him had a tough. I mean, they were knocking each other down. It was just, and Foreman ended up beating him. But I, I mean, I think he's up there, one of the greatest ever, without a doubt. Yeah, this was in his prime too. You know, when he got out, he could have had a lot of records. Like I said, he was tough cat to clean that. All right, so Ali and Foreman, that's no surprises, Dad. Who you got for number two? Yeah, I'd have to go with Joe Lewis. Yeah, he was he was really a, one of the greatest too. You know, he he was such a hard puncher. I don't know, t t Rocky, you know, would beat him at the end of Rocky, you know, when in, he was already in, over the hill. And, 37 uh, years old, was it, we found out? I, I think it was. You're very, that's one thing you said. You, you said that Lewis would have beat Marciano in his younger days. Oh, yeah, he would have, he would have had him for breakfast. <laughs> we actually got to go to the Joe Lewis Arena, and that's what I was telling in the episode there last night when I thought we were filming. I just actually posted it the other day. Did you see it? Uh, Me and Ryan, Jill's boy, right in front of the statue of uh, Joe Lewis. We got a picture of that. I, yeah, I just found it and posted it the other day. Oh, yeah, I believe we did see that, yeah. But that was, looking back on it, man, I didn't realize how awesome that was. And just to get to be there in front of that statue. And I can remember, I, could, I got a memory like an elephant. I really do. I can remember way, way back. I can remember going that trip to Michigan. But anyways, I thought I was standing in front of Mike Tyson because at that point in my life, that was the talk, which will eventually get to him. But Joe Lewis Arena, you took us there. That was a cool moment. Yeah, he was, nobody couldn't handle him, you know, in his prime. There wasn't no doubt about that. 
he was the, one of the greatest. The Brown Bomber? Yeah, yes, the Brown Bomber. Speaking of hard punchers, my second one will be, because I just thought I was standing in front of at Joe Lewis Arena, Mike Tyson, Iron Mike Tyson. And I'd say he's probably on just about everybody's top list, if, if we're being honest. Mike Tyson came into the the boxing world under the guidance of Custom Auto. Custom Auto, unbelievable father figure, trainer, took care of him, got him off the streets, and just turned him into a, a freak, really. I mean, a monster in the boxing ring. He ate, breathed, and slept. I mean, he bragged, you know, well, not bragged, but he would talk about how much it meant that Custom Auto had so much film. He had so much documentation. You know, documents of boxing in a in a basement that nobody had back in the day, and that he would study the greats. And I mean, when he came in, he wouldn't. That's what we was talking about. He wasn't just knocking people out. He was knocking them through the ropes, about knocking their heads off. I mean, he was violent. And when he beat <clears throat> Burbick for the title, Burbick, he he got knocked down two or three times, couldn't get up. He was tripping over himself, and it was just over. He had people beat before he stepped in the ring. Like you said, Ali did. Ali had him psyched out, whereas Tyson had him beat when he walked down the aisle. They had to look at that man coming down the aisle and wonder to themselves if they going to make it out of that ring with their head on their shoulders or not. But he had a record of 50 and 6, youngest heavyweight champion. Dad, what do you think of Mike Tyson? That was your second. That was my second. Well, we might as well just walk into it then yeah. because that's who I've got as my third. Right. But Mike Tyson, I watched him from his beginning too, so you can tell I'm up there in age. Well, I did. You know, I'm, thir <laughs> I, I'm 37, and that was the first big deal as a kid. We're going to watch that Mike Tyson fight. We're going to watch it. Mike. We're going to that Mike Tyson fight. But he was. I mean, he was so talented, quick. You could tell he listened to who was training. But he had something in him <clears throat> that, I mean, I just. That you love a killer instinct? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he had it. But, you know, it, and I love to watch him. I mean, he come out with those little cheap. Trunks, you know, them shoes. He had the low, the low top shoes. But he was, but you know, he all the bad. He started getting a bad company, and then it, it was his, he was his own worst enemy, you know. But he, if he hadn't uh, ended up behind bars, then coming back late, it would have been like, been like Foreman, Foreman stepping out in his prime, and you know, and coming back. He would have had more records held too, you know. He was the Mike Tyson he's story. Serious. Yes, he was. He was the. If you look up intimidating in the dictionary, they should be him with that gold tooth, like on Mike Tyson's punch out. But his his story is tragic. I mean, it really is because he came from. I mean, he was just. I mean, he was mugging people as a child. I mean, he was. He don't care. I mean, it's on there. He tells you how he was raised. And then he finds Custom Auto, he takes him in, turns him into a, and he told him, he said, that man was telling me when I was 13 years old I would be heavyweight champion of the world. He said he had that much faith in me, that he knew it. And then, you know, he get, like you said, started running a bad company. Don King didn't do him any favors. I mean, he pretty much ruined a lot of boxers, but 
he goes to prison. You know, everybody pretty much turns their back. Robin Gibbons was a gold digger, in my opinion. She was ruining him. So once he got out of prison, he, he wasn't the same fighter. Well, he had to be great, you know, to win the championship at 20 years old. That's nuts. I mean, that, that's almost on here to, I mean, you don't hear that. People don't realize 20 years old. I'm 37. 20, when I was 20, heck, when I was 25, I was a kid. Yeah, most of us are. I mean, you don't grow up. Physically, you do, but mentally, you don't grow up until you're 35 years old, really. And that man was 20 years old getting millions of, I mean, he was buying Siberian tigers. Think about what all that man was buying. Anything we wanted, he was getting. But Mike Tyson, we, we could sit here and talk about him for a long time, but we'll move on. Dad, he was your third, right? Yeah. Okay, so we just uh, played ping pong. I knocked it over to you, you knocked it back. And I'm going to go and tell you my third, who you introduced me to, and I studied him and was very impressed with him. He was a bald-headed with a big mustache. And if you go and listen to his peers talk about him, they each and every, well, you just heard Foreman when David Letterman asked him if he'd ever fought Ernie Shavers. He said, thank God, no. <laughs> but Ernie Shavers, he, he fought Muhammad Ali, give Muhammad Ali all he could handle for so long. He posed a record of 89 and 14. That man fought a lot. He would stalk people with that left and be looking for that right. And he, I mean, he's got a highlight reel that is, that it's almost like Tyson is, well, he didn't have the athletic ability as Tyson, but as far as just ruthless punches, he had ruthless punching power. He he fought for the title twice. I want to say he lost to, uh, he lost to Ali, and then he lost to, I think it was Larry Holmes, I could be wrong. But Ernie Shavers, man, you, you hit the nail on the head with him, Dad. He was one tough cat to clean after. Yeah. And he, and like I was saying, he pulled, I can say he pulled a foreman, but God got in his life, and later, after he had retired, he became an evangelist and started, I think it was in Phoenix, started a church in Phoenix. But Ernie Shavers, I, I could be wrong, I think they called him the Black Rhino, if not if I'm not mistaken, but if, you, if you're a boxing fan or a fight fan or or just a student of the game, man. He's somebody worth checking out because I think it was about 10 years ago I got introduced to him and there's a picture of him with his hands on his hips with them boxing gloves on him. You can just look at this guy and tell that he meant business. You didn't, I mean, he had an intimidation factor about him too. I almost think he looked like a heavyweight version of Marvin Hagler. Yeah, that's about what he was, I guess. You know, I mean, that was, yeah, that was, that's a good, but if, you, if you've never seen Ernie Shavers, think of, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, but a big, you know, bigger version. But Ernie Shavers, studying, he he fought for the title twice, underrated, and one of my favorite boxers. He's one of the hardest punchers ever. Dad, I will let you go next. Yeah, we're playing ping pong again, looks like. Oh, do you have Shavers? No, i got George Ford. Oh, okay. Ford. Ford. Well, what was it you admire about Foreman? Well... I loved to watch that man. He was so humble when the, I watched him in Olympics, you know, and watch him bow and everything. Him carry that flag yeah. around. I loved that. That was a good scene. And he was, like I said, when he started professional fight, I, I said, that, you know, this man's going to be the champion of the world right shortly because I don't see anybody can handle him. So that's when 
you get food, you know. When you're young, you got an old man like Ali that's got the brains, and he's been there a while, and he knows all these tricks, and he's gifted, talent, and everything. And he just outsmarted him, you know. He took him to the hot land. And, and you know, Ali, or Foreman was talking about that fight, and he said, I hit this man with everything I had. He said, I mean, I was I was ready for him to go down. And he said, he grabs me and pulls me against him and says, is that all you got, George? And he said, at that moment, I knew that I couldn't beat this man. He said, it broke my heart, my spirit, and everything. He said, I was I was pretty sure he was going down. All he could do that to people, see, he was smart. He was smarter than most people wouldn't even know, you know, again, plus talent. Then he had that mouth could intimidate. He could talk a crowd into the arena. I mean, sell a fight. Who sold? Who sold a fight before him like he did? Nobody. Nobody. He was the first of a kind. I mean, think of all them fighters in every. I mean, today they try. They, everybody borrows from him. Well, that's how George. You know, if George he was so quiet when he first started, then when he came back. He had this personality and yeah. laughing and I mean, joking and everything, and you just fell in love with him that much more if you, you liked did. him, and I, I liked him before, so. His story is so awesome, though. Like I said, he was just, you can, I mean, you feel like he's actually a genuine person, and he's been through it, and he's, I mean, when he won that, and I didn't realize it. As a kid, when I watched him knock Michael Moore out, I, I didn't realize the power he possessed, I guess, but I was thinking a hard punch would be him turning his hips and, you know. But he hit him twice. He hit him with a one-two combo. The first time, Foreman said, he thought he knocked him out. He said, I felt his skull go through my knuckles. And he said, I thought he was going down there. And he said, again, he dropped his hands and I hit him with that same combo and he just fell, he said. And uh, when you're watching that, you're like, well, they ain't much on that. And then you realize when you go back and you start, I mean, people was talking about how he could just hit you in the shoulder and dislocate your shoulder and hit you, I mean, and just just affect parts of your body that he didn't even hit just by power. And I mean, but yeah, he was, he's my favorite and one of yours. And he just, I guess, man, he's just, like you said, in the Olympics, you could tell him with that flag in the ring, bowing, you know, just had a respect factor about yeah. it. Yeah, he was good. So what we did here is last night when we originally did this, you were under the assumption that we were just doing heavyweights. And I had two lighter fighters. So I had to clean up my list a little bit. We decided that next time we're going to continue to do this. Next time we're going to do maybe middleweights, then go to lightweights. We're going to kind of branch off. But I had to throw me, you know, I had to do some thinking about this actually. I was scared to say Evander Holyfield, afraid you'd hit me, because I know the uh, dislike and disdain <laughs> you got for Evander Holyfield. So I, t I picked a guy that I respect a lot, a guy that is underrated, got probably one of the best jabs and knew how to use it that I'd ever seen. And he, he never was flashy. He was just technical. And 6'5", and like we said, if you're 6'5", and you got a jab and know how to use it, it's hard It's hard to deal with them. So Lennox Lewis will be my, or he'll be my choice. 
He posed a record of 44-2. He won the heavyweight title. Him and Mike Tyson in 2000, 2002, the summer, I'll never forget it. It was one of the best, well, it wasn't one of the best fights, but it was hyped up like nobody's business. And he had had some wonderful fights. He fought Ian McCall. He had lost, he had only, he posed a record of 44 and two. He lost to Ian McCall first and then he run it back and I just showed you it was one of the more bizarre fights ever where Ian McCall broke down in the middle of the ring and was crying and they stopped the fight and uh, it was a it was bizarre to say the least Dad what was your thoughts on Lennox Lewis well <clears throat> I guess you'd probably have to say he was probably one of the most Underrated fighters, he probably have been in a long time, you know. Maybe ever. Could be. But he was, he was really a great fighter. He just, he just didn't get the recognition he should have got, or I don't think. I don't think he did either. I honestly didn't. And he fought, he fought in the era where in the 90s and early 2000s where there was great fighters. I mean, the way he beat Tyson, was Ian Tyson was over the hill and out of his way out of his prime. Lennox Lewis got better as he got older. I mean, experience. He didn't. His body. He didn't take bad losses. Never took beatings in the ring. So uh, in his later age, he was still able to compete at a high level. And he ran into the Klitschko. I can't remember if it's Vladimir or Vitaly. I think it might have been Vladimir. But he he ran into one of the Klitschko brothers. And I think he retired after that fight. He won that fight, I think. But I think it was real close, and he kind of got the feeling it was time to move on. But he's, like you said, underrated, un unappreciated. Lennox Lewis. So I'm going to pass the baton back to you here. Well, I've got one that <clears throat> you didn't have. i got Rocky Marchand. And... I guess, you know, you got to take your head off to a man. Never lost a fight. That never lost a fight, went undefeated. Retired, you know, undefeated champion of the world. So I know he didn't, he, he wasn't the greatest skilled and in my book, you know, I mean, I, I'm seeing him through my eyes. Right. But for a man to win that many fights and go undefeated, and they said he could knock a horse out. horse out with a six-inch punch. I don't know about that, but heck of a he, runner. He had to, he had to have some strong wrists and forearms, and I've seen some fights. All right, so think about this though. This is gonna make you respect him a whole lot more. Kind of like the Babe Ruth deal. There was no PEDs out before them. That man was not on steroids. You can look at him. There was, and none of those guys were. So for him yeah. to go undefeated, he wasn't no jacked up, ripped fighter or nothing. He no. just—you could tell through his wrist and his forearms. He had to have that. You're either gifted with that kind of knockout power. It ain't something. I mean, you can work on work on it, but nine times out of ten, it's something God gifts you with that that punching power. And I'd say Marciano had that in in spades. Yeah. Cause to get that rumor. 
Yeah, you've got to have something in this right here, you know, yes. hard wrist to knock people out. I mean, we can't ask that horse if that really happens. No. Uh, we didn't think, that might be one of my next episodes to find <laughs> out, go back and try to research the horse that Rocky Marciano knocked out. But he's the undefeated champion. And they, if you guys ever get a chance, they done a computer-generated fight between him and Ali back in the 70s, was it? Early 80s or 70s, but do you remember yeah, that? I remember it, but I, like I said, I can't remember too much anymore. You can watch it on YouTube, I think. I can't even remember who won it. Yeah, Marciano won. Did he? Yep. Beat Ali? Beat Ali. That's, that would be hard for me to believe. Well, you'll have to check it out. Because <laughs> I, I, I think it, they, well, you can watch it on YouTube. I may check it out when I get home tonight. But this one was tough for me. So I was thinking and thinking back. Who, you know, for my fifth one, I didn't want my teeth knocked out. So I didn't say Holyfield. I didn't really, I like I, I liked and respected Riddick Bowe. But I kind of didn't really like him. I mean, I, he, he was a good boxer, but. I mean, besides having them fights with Holyfield, he, he put on weight there and just really quick care. But he had good hands. He had soft, I mean, he had good hands for a bigger guy. But I recently, not too recent, I guess a few years back, recent for me, I watched a documentary on Tommy the Duke Morrison. Everybody knows Tommy Gunn from Rocky Five. Well, he was actually a really good boxer. And he was, they were calling him the Great White Hope. And he was good. He had a, one of his best punch, I think, was his left hook. And he was really, like, devastating with it. And I went back and watched his documentary, and he had so much promise. I didn't realize it. I thought kind of the fame from the Rocky movie and claiming to be John Wayne's nephew, I thought it was kind of just the media perceiving he was better than what he was. But, I mean, he beats Foreman. He, he fights Lennox Lewis. He, he loses to Ray Mercer in a absolute graphic knockout, but he, he, he fought some good fighters and had a lot of, he had a lot of uh, talent and promise, but just like a lot of greats, he let women, drugs, and partying get to him, and he had went on a winning streak, if I'm not mistaken, had a big, I mean, he was close to having a big money fight with Lennox Lewis for the title, or maybe, yeah, it was. I think it was for the belt. But instead, he took a fight to make a little more money or something before that, instead of just holding out, waiting on the Lewis fight. And the night before, if I'm not mistaken, he goes to a Toby Keith concert with his buddies and gets drunk, goes in and fights and gets knocked out by somebody he should have beat really easy. But that's just one example of, you know, he got you're, HIV. In your worst enemy. Yeah. Yeah, and if you go and watch this, it was on ESPN, uh, doc, documentary series. You can check it out. I think it's probably, if you've got the ESPN app, or you could probably find it on YouTube. But it's tragic. It's it's really a sad story because when he comes out and tells the crowd that he's got HIV, man, it was about like, it was right up there with Magic Johnson, shocking moments in sports. But his, his son's fight now, they're talented. And he died at a young age. He died in his 40s. I mean, it's just, it, it was sad. But I enjoyed him. I went back and watched his fight. And it was, he was more than hype. I'll say that. And I enjoyed him. You know, he had charisma, good-looking dude. He had the, I mean, he had it all going for him. Like you said, just his worst enemy. Yeah. I didn't realize he was that good until he 
you know, I must have quit watching it for a while there, you know, and wasn't keeping up with it like you started getting into it. Well, I had to go back and do a lot of homework. Uh, nowadays, well, the last, Roy Jones Jr. kind of brought it back because we were going over to Brent's and renting him a Trinidad. Um, I started getting back into, I, which I was always into the UFC and stuff, but I started getting into boxing. Once I started boxing, once I got in the ring and started studying the sport and learning how to do it, I started wanting to research, and, and it, that's what you do. You do your homework. And I got to go back and study the greats and see who was good and who was underrated. And that's basically, in a nutshell, how I figured out my favorites in these lists. Was that the, did you get all five of yours there? Yeah, I've got all mine there. So, Joe Lewis, let's, let's recap. Ed Newsom has Joe Lewis. Muhammad Ali, Joe Lewis. Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, George Foreman, Rocky Marshall. And I had George Foreman, Mike Tyson, Ernie Shavers, Lennox Lewis, and Tommy the Duke Morrison. And Dad, I think tonight was just as good as last night, but the one that didn't get aired. I do know that we're recording right now because we're 33 minutes in and we're getting ready to call it a night, but I want to thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Wild Time Podcast. And it's thundering out there. I don't know if this microphone's that good to catch it. But I'm on a side-by-side, and I've got to make it back out of here. <laughs> so it could be very interesting for me. Hit that subscribe button, as always. Like, share this, tell your friends to check out Adam's new podcast. He's got interesting guests. We, we may talk about boxing tonight, and then I may be somewhere else talking about something totally opposite. You never know. It's a variety show. Whatever something cool is going on, you better believe I'll be right in the middle of it. So, for Ed the Bear Newsom and Adam Newsom, thank you for tuning in. Bye.